So I have an idea. It's a presupposition made of one catalyst point and two side points. The first catalyst point comes from something I read from Dr. Nun Amin Ra's book, Evolution and Nutrition, the first book that I read of his. What the book is, as the cover describes, is the scientific and theoretical validation of veganism. This is a man who not only holds, I believe to be, the world record for deadlifting, powerlifting, I apologize, powerlifting, but he also holds a few PhDs and is a teacher and student. Now, I don't say these things as a mark of status, but rather as an intimation of conscientiousness and competence. Now, the catalyst point is a quote that I read of his, and the presupposition that I want to lay out is of morality. The quote goes something like this. It is, however, worth noting that my reasons for adopting veganism have far less to do with nutrition, disease, and biomedical science than with philosophy. I am morally opposed to the exploitation of animals for culinary indulgence, food, sport, entertainment, cosmetics, or even as tools of scientific inquiry. I would be a vegan even if such a lifestyle proved less medically expedient than I believe to be the case. I would be a vegan even if such a lifestyle proved less medically expedient than the one I believe to be the case. That's the catalyst point. If I'm going to translate that, what, I, what I'm interpreting, what, what I'm going to interpret he means by that is saying, even if it weren't nutritionally best, even if it wasn't the optimal human diet, he would choose veganism. And that's a really strange thing to hear from such a brilliant man. And I do say he's a brilliant man by my own mark of discernment, by my own ability to discern. That being the catalyst point, I have two side points. The second one is a is an idea by Jordan Peterson, which I'm going to first lay out and then tell a quick side story to encapsulate it. The third one is a point and observation quoted by Dan Riskin. If I have that wrong, I'll, I'll fix it in the description. But Dan Riskin, in his book... Mother Nature is trying to kill you. The presupposition that I'm trying to lay out is on morality. How the hell is morality able to... How can we wrap our intellectual minds around such a complicated idea? Or such a seemingly stupid one at first, right? To do that, I'm going to mention a second point, which is... Something that I first heard from Jordan Peterson, but it's something that we're all very familiar with. It's not about winning or losing. It's how you play the damn game. What does that mean? It's not about winning or losing. It's how you play the game. 
And how is that quote going to help us understand how the hell we could wrap our heads around the around an, uh, a, a deeper understanding around what how morality is palpable and useful for us inside of the modern society? It's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. This is something we have a tendency to tell our children, although most of us don't really understand what the hell that means. Although we seem to have an intuitive understanding, we seem to get, it's like, hey, we, mommy should tell Bobby that, that exact thing. Mom tells Bobby, hey honey, it's not whether you win or lose this soccer game, it's how you play the game, okay? And what does that mean? Well, for one, it means that Bobby shouldn't kick Timmy in the face for not passing the ball, right? Even though he thinks that that may gain him the win of that particular game, it's not about winning the particular game. Because if Bobby kicks Timmy in the face, Danny, Ricky, Toby, and everyone else on the team is not going to want to play with Bobby. Because although Bobby may win that game, he's going to fuck up a series of other games. So what Bobby risks... In his behavior. What Bobby risks. At the cost of winning that single game. Is he loses the opportunity. To be invited into as many other domains of play as possible. Let me pick that apart a bit more for you. None of us want to win the battle. We want to win the war. It's not about winning or losing any single particular game, so to speak, but about being invited to as many different domains of play as possible. Let me give you a, uh, another example. See, my generation, the millennial generation, has a tendency to think when it comes to marriage, why the hell would I want to seclude myself to one crazy person when I can leave myself open to multiple crazy people? And the thing is, you could make an argument for that. The thing is, there's a price you pay for that idea. There's a price you pay for the diversity, so to speak. And that's a really deep idea. And it's not one that I'm going to necessarily peel apart in this particular podcast. But it is one that I want to briefly lay out for the sake of the larger example. The catalyst point is morality. And why the hell would that be more important than treating your than having the optimal diet for your physical, physiological health. And an argument that you could make for that would be that you're not looking to make that somehow morality isn't about winning a single game, but somehow an evolved sense of morality helps you win a series of games, helps you sit at the top of the competence hierarchy, as we can call it. Jordan Peterson calls it the dominance hierarchy just because of the sake. That's what they call it in the literature. But it might be more accurate for the sake of this podcast to call it the competence hierarchy. And what that means is those who are most competent get promoted to the top of the hierarchy. And what does that mean? That means Bobby better be a good fucking boy. And when I mean good, I don't mean nice. I don't mean he should high five everybody, although that might be useful. I mean, he should probably be intelligent and conscientious because those are the two qualities that, that, that have the highest rate of determining success. There's no way to tell whether or not your behavior is going to win you the series of games, but it's your best bet. It is your best bet. Bobby, don't kick Timmy. 
play the game in the in the most expansive big picture way that you can. And most of us, I think we understand this intuitively. Although that isn't always the case. The third point, I'm gonna, I'm going to peel back to explain why I think morality is just. Why would someone like Dr. Nun Amin Ra, such a brilliant man, and who I, to my own best discernment, determined to be an absolutely brilliant man, perhaps the most brilliant man that I've ever come across then, although I say that in my own ignorance, I'm not as literature I'm not familiar enough with broader cases of literature to have those words be of any real gravity. I, well, it's the best that I have. So not to beat a dead horse, but I'm going to repeat this one more time for you. In this book, in page 6 of his introduction, page disclosure, he says, I would be a vegan even if such a lifestyle proved less medically expedient than the one I believe to be the case. That was the catalyst. The introduction to why I think that's important is it's not important. It's not about winning the battle. It's about winning the game. So maybe his idea that catalyst is is more important in a broader sense. And here's here's what I here's where things get interesting. And here's an interesting story from Dan Riskin's book Mother Nature is Trying to Kill You. One of the he 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 attempts to lay out the presupposition throughout this book. I heard it through through the audio book. It's amazing, by the way. He tries to lay out the presupposition that most people have a tendency to think that Mother Nature is on your side. And as it turns out, she's not. She's merciless. She's unbiased and she's unfair to everybody. And although she's unfair, she's, she's quite good to plenty. Mother Nature will give you everything you require at the same time of depriving you of every single need. Mother Nature is not on your side but rather the side of father evolution or the process of evolving, the process of dying and, and dying, devouring, and rebirth. Then, then Riskin lays out this amazing proposition in one of the particular things that he brings up, which is... So I'm sure many of you know that anytime certain animals are introduced to a new ecosystem, it could fuck up the entire ecosystem. Really can. There was a certain kind of mouse that was introduced to, I believe it was an island, and this island was mostly populated by birds. And... I can't remember the exact bird, but it's not important for the sake of this example. These animals, these mice were brought there by certain ships. And they weren't used to having no predators. But their physiology just kept breeding away, having making babies like it was no tomorrow, as if there were still predators to be, uh, that were going to eat them, so to speak. And so they had high 
their litters had high amount had uh had a high production rate let's say um in order to compensate for the predators that were eating them however on this island those predators weren't around so they were making babies like mad and completely eating away all the vegetation on this island they ate all the vegetation on the island to the point where the food became scarce it became so scarce that just like humans eventually did they started scavenging on their own dead body parts and that that is what happens and that is also what happened to humans when we faced because we're initially frugivores but when we when we faced uh periods of food scarcity and we needed uh a reliable source of calories and fuel we used first carcasses than living flesh and so what you had in this case was a species that overpopulated ate its own reliable uh, reliable f- food source and so they were left in a state of f- food scarcity these particular mice or rats and it got to the point where they began eating their own carcasses which sounds pretty heavy but it's again it's part of nature and then after some time well, it's, it wasn't too far of a jump for them to start eating live meat. And so they actually began doing this. You see, these birds on the island, they weren't used to any predators either. So they had no mechanisms of defense. So you could literally have these, let's say, rats. I, I believe it was rats. Go straight up to the nest and start nibbling away. And that is what happened. Sometimes you would have dozens of rats on a single nest of bird. And they would drill a hole, essentially drill a hole, through the center of this bird's chest to the other side. Sometimes still alive, in this case. They became carnivorous. Or you could say omnivorous. And it got to the point where they were lowering the population of these birds also. So those also became a, a scarce source of food. And so from there, the jump was made to start eating themselves. So now you had what were animals which naturally uh, succumbed to vegetation. To animals who were feeding on carcasses. To a jump, a small jump, to animals who were feeding on live meat to animals who were feeding on themselves carnivores to cannibals and these species of rats began to eat at themselves until well you could imagine that there wasn't a a a reliable system put in place there and they essentially i shouldn't say eliminated eliminated themselves but their behaviors did because innately they accidentally adopted a series of behaviors that would eventually lead to them losing their own private war. They won the battle. They survived for another day, but at what cost? The cost of their species. For the sake of propagation, they ended it. They brought on the death to themselves. And so when I look at this idea of morality, 
when I look at this initial catalyst, the, the, the question from the beginning of being morally opposed to the exploitation of animals for culinary indulgence, sport, entertainment, cosmetics, or even the tools of scientific inquiry, would I think about that exact quote from Dr. Nan Amin Ra's book? This is the first book that I've read of his. And it's a very difficult read, mind you. It's something that I, I have quite, in part because I'm quite dumb, something that I have a lot of trouble uh, working through. When I read that, what comes to mind for me is, well, it's not about being morally opposed today, per se. It's about a deeper intuitive understanding, or maybe intellectual understanding, perhaps both. That there are a series of behaviors that, although work well for today, will create a snowball effect that will end the propagation of our own species. And are we working for the highest good or are we just working for tomorrow? Are we just trying to survive? Are we trying to create a sustainable future for our children to thrive? That's a deep, deep question. And I can't, you know, it isn't obvious to me that that's what he meant. But while I was trying to really wrap my head around how someone so goddamn brilliant could say something so provocative at least so at least for 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 me it was it was quite provoking that's the theory that i come to and if any of you are interested in dr nanaman ra's work uh feel free to look him up on facebook There's also a YouTube video which absolutely does him no justice, but it's called Vegan Bodybuilder Eats One Meal a Day. If any of you are interested in Jordan Peterson's work, which details precisely what I'm saying, but perhaps not in the examples that I used, but Jordan Peterson is very articulate and does well to explain the series of behaviors which govern which have governed us from the beginning of time these are sets of behaviors that are evolving so that way we can understand that it's about a long-term solution personally that there are a series of behaviors that are more sustainable for the long term than just the short term as an example lying lying is something that works really well for the short term but anything long term needs to have some sort uh, needs to have a deeper articulatable truth if you're honest, even when you're wrong, you're, you, you're, you're given the benefit of the doubt and you're given space to correct yourself versus if you're, let's say, a liar. You have to keep moving from different quote-unquote games. You never get the ability to move up the dominant hierarchy or the competent hierarchy, let's say. Jordan Peterson is uh, one of my favorite clinical psychologists, but it would be very stupid of me to label him just on that. So please feel free to check out on his work. He's all over YouTube. Um, has become quite a sensation within the past few years for Bell C-16 and his, uh, and his opposition to it. And again, Dan Riskin's book, D-A-N... R-I-S-K-I-N Dan Riskin's book If I need to make any corrections I will do so in the description uh, His 
the audiobook that I had heard was Mother Nature is Trying to Kill You. It is also available on Kindle and whatever. I'm not affiliated with any of these people. Um, but I certainly give deep gratitude towards their... Towards what they've been able to put together with their work. Again, this is my this is me laying out my pre- presupposition for morality. Thank you very much for listening. Ciao.